Welcome to the To Tell Us Die podcast. My name is Jenny Donnelly. We're on a still journey and this week we're talking about the garden. This is the sixth out of seven ways to find calm in the chaos. And last week we did talk about the garden and you heard me talk about transitioning from this rigid style of, hey, I'm the captain of my own ship to living in the garden with Jesus. And so I hope that that is sinking in because it's such a better way to live and to enter into the realm of rest. And today I have back with us my very good friend, Christy McGuyan, and you got to hear her several weeks ago, several episodes ago, talking about letting go. And this week we're talking about the garden. And I brought her on here specifically because she has had maybe one of your most profound experiences with Jesus in an actual garden. And so Christy, thank you so much for being back. I want to jump right into that story and that experience because it is so remarkable. And when you were telling me, I felt like it was happening to me. I felt like I was right there. So thank you for being here, but I want you to jump right into the story. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And it was really just a few months ago where I was um, preparing to speak at church and I was fasting and I'm just literally abiding with the Lord. And that for me, the being versus doing thing is a little bit hard because I like to get things done. So it felt like, okay, I'm going over the scripture. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord what message he has for the ladies. And at the same time, I have a garage full of stuff and, and containers on the way. And I was super thankful. Thank you, Lord, that these don't arrive until after I speak. Well, they showed up on a Saturday (laughs) before three days before I was going to speak. So I have this temptation that wants to draw me out of the presence of the Lord, out of abiding, out of um, just spending time with him to prepare to share with others. And I just was, it was literally a struggle. And, um, and so I actually did, I went in and did one container. And then I was like, this is ridiculous, Lord. It is a temptation of spending time with you. So I went back and was preparing in my garden. And that's where the story um, just unfolds so beautifully. Because as I sat there, I still had this sense of, I want to get something done. I was just struggling with just being there, being in scripture, being with Jesus, just spending that time. Well, it can be difficult. Let's face it. You're not saying anything abnormal here. Life pulls at us and we have to get stuff done. Eventually the stuff has to get done. But sometimes the enemy uses all of that to get us out of that secret space with Jesus. Yep. And I had the luxury of time right then. So it really was a temptation. There's no question about it. And so I was like, well, I do have to water the plants. (laughs) So I got up and I was filling up um, my can to fill to water some potted plants. And as I bent over to fill up the can, I looked between my legs and I saw from the shins down bare feet behind me. And it startled me so much so that I stood up. And as I turned around before I was completely around, I'm like, Oh my goodness, you scared me thinking for sure it was my youngest son, um, or one of the boys, you know? And as, as I turned around, there was nobody there. Wow. Um, but I had clearly seen clearly enough that I said out loud, oh, you startled me. And I'm, I praise God that I actually said it out loud because I would have started to sw- second guess myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, in, in my flesh, I started to move past that moment and started walking, even as I was processing, walking with the watering can. And as I was going to the potted plant, there, there's stairs that, from outside that go upstairs. Um, and the Lord just said, sit down. And I sat down with my can and I was like, what just happened? 
And Jesus said, see me in the garden. And I, I've never physically, because this was physically with my eyes. You know, I've never, I, ha- I have dreams and, and visions and things That's like so that, but incredible. this was with my eyes. And I was like, was that your feet, Lord? I mean, what, what, you know? So um, I actually had to, which was a, an incredible training in it's of, of personally to myself that I had to leave. So I picked up my journal, Scott's driving. I'm writing down every thought I can capture in the moment. And he just kept saying, see me in the garden, see me in the garden. And I was standing right behind you because I'm always with you, but you can go into everything you have that you have to get done in your day. The things that are a part of our lists Mm -hmm. that aren't, you know, not spiritual, but they have to get done. Right. You know, like there's, there's not a distinction between that. I don't have to be behind you. I can always be in front of you if you keep your eyes fixed on me. And so I just saw in that moment, is just him actually, when we get off course, I just always see him when I, when I feel like my eyes become unfocused, that he just takes my cheeks in his hands. He's standing in front of me, takes my cheeks in his hands and just gently redirects my face. So I'm staring in his eyes. It's beautiful. So it was an amazing and, and, um, so and what does that phrase become to mean to you in the last couple of months, seeing me in the garden? Yeah, I mean, it, it has physically in, when I'm in my garden, I look for all the different places that he is in my garden, in the birds, in, in the weeds, in the dead things, in the living things, in the pruning, in the, I mean, all that stuff for sure in the physical garden. Um, but even just like your, this chapter so beautifully describes him as the gardener right? And everything that he does to tend to us. Um, He had already like a while back um, shown me the Matthew six. I I just, I just was in it. It wasn't like, he's like, go to Matthew six, because you have to learn about anxiety or any of that. I just, that was just the next reading I was in. And I love just diving deep and not rushing past like, okay, what, what are all the hidden secrets? You know, what are all the the treasures? treasures? Yeah. And so in in my version, um, in Matthew six, it says, there's a part where it says, learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. And when I'm studying my word, there's sometimes where I'll just go through a whole section, but I might, he he just sometimes keeps me in a section over and over and over and over. And I, oh wait, I didn't see that learn before. Well, learn actually means something. It means learn. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how wildflowers go. So I need to learn that. And so I pulled out my phone and I started reading about how wildflowers grow. And literally the definition of a wildflower is untouched by human hands. Wow. And so that was just my, I mean, mind boggling to me. If I'm supposed to learn how a wildflower grows, I don't have to worry about touching. Like it's mm-hmm. about God's hands. Everything. It's God's hands. Yeah, on you're not me. the gardener. No. And so that, that revelation, that, that deepness of knowing that I, that he's in control. He's my gardener. He's caring. He's tending, you know, all of that, that and the story and the other story that is for me, what keeps me in that place when I get off course is the Martha and Mary story in Luke. Oh yeah. And I just, and, and again, the, the word is so living and alive that it's completely new revelation all the time. And it's revelation for whatever season I'm in. It's revelation, but I love, love, love. Um, very specifically, because when, when I visited with you earlier, I talked about that comparison was the lap I took a lot in my life. And it's, 
it, it will rear its ugly head. It's not like, yay, totally gone. We're never really totally out of no. the woods. We have to cling to Christ in all of the things yeah. that we've either overcome or in the midst of. And the nice thing is that we see the life faster. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we see the life faster and, and the Lord's equipped us with tools to handle it and yes. just flick the enemy away. So, um, so we don't have to beat ourselves up but when it comes again. We just know all oh, the enemy still thinks he yeah. has me there, yep. you know, but the Martha and Mary thing, a couple really cool things about it was that Martha, if you don't know the story, actually, I should, I'll just read this to you real quick. While they were traveling, he, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Wow. And I mean, can you, I mean, yeah. that, that was me that day that I almost missed Jesus standing right behind mm-hmm. me. Cause I would have been in the garage distracted by my many mm-hmm. tasks, you know, yeah. but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing. One thing, Mm -hmm. one thing is necessary. So when I get off track, it's like, I'm distracted by my many tasks, but also what was Martha distracted by? Her sister. So Martha had taken her eyes off of Jesus and put her eyes on her sister. So comparison for me is when I take my eyes off of Jesus and what Jesus has me doing and put my eyes on my sister or my brother or what what are they doing? Why are they not working? Or my tasks. So it's either, it's either circumstantial or tasks, or it's the comparison of what it, even what is someone else doing that I'm not doing? Right. Right. And so that's, that was the situation. So the, the depth of that, but regardless of where we're getting off course, I love that. I love, I can just hear Jesus say, but one thing is necessary, but one thing is necessary. And he goes on to say, Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. So not only does he tell us that only one thing is necessary, but he promises us that it won't get taken away from us. So when we keep our eyes focused on him, like he's not going to take that away from us. Rest is secure in him because we, he's not going to let the things we need to do distract us. He's not going to let, the enemy's going to try and do that. Yeah. But we can put our focus there. And I sense that Martha maybe had a little bit of jealousy because mm-hmm. it's like, wouldn't it be nice? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice just to be that girl up front at church just jumping around, worshiping God. She must not have very much to do. She looks way too free. Mm-hmm. Or wouldn't it be nice to be that guy who's just happy all the time? It's his personality. <laughs> but the great, the great news for Martha though, is Jesus doesn't leave her there either. No, so this is, a, this is a learning part for her. It's and an what invitation. I love is guess when she, we see her looking free is in the, in the season where in the, in the story where Jesus raises her brother Lazarus from the dead. So her freedom comes from a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now it was before Jesus rose from the dead. So it was the resurrection of her brother and everything that Jesus had transformed in her life up until that point. But our freedom in that comes from Jesus's resurrection and from our ability to walk into freedom. So we get to see, we get to see Martha transformed in that story because literally the, what she was doing and serving Jesus, because she was serving Jesus. She was using her gifts. Yeah. And what what pulled her off course wasn't that 
she wasn't doing her calling. It was, she was focused on Mary's calling, Mm -hmm. you know? So she didn't realize, she was like, she could abide with Jesus in serving him, but she was irritated in what Mary was doing. But we get to see her later actually in that story. She's serving again in that story. Mm -hmm. She's being hospitable and using her gifts in that story, but she's doing it from a different heart posture. So interesting because it was just yesterday I was asking the Lord, what is it, God, when I shift my focus from the delight of my relationship Mm -hmm. with you over to overly concerned about what other people are doing or not Mm -hmm. doing? Like what, what's that transition? And he told me control. He said, it's when you are shifting from me being in control to you're trying to control an outcome or control a person. And I said, okay, Lord, I repent for wanting to do that, even subconsciously wanting to control other people and control how they're responding or controlling their process. Because the thing is, is like, if God has brought me through something and I'm watching somebody else struggle in something that I used to struggle in, then, you know, the enemy wants us to judge that or he wants Mm -hmm. us to try to control that Mm -hmm. or make it easier for them. Or, you know, we talked about that when you were here last, but um, this, I can, I can relate to Martha. I can relate to her and go, okay, you know, we, we do have a choice. We can think about our tasks as the most important thing and then look around and and be distracted by other people or we can plop down at the feet of Jesus and get like so excited. Now, one of the things I can relate to here is when Bob and I first planted the church with our good friends, Heather and Ben Rose, you know, we didn't want to do this initially because it was like, no, I love worshiping without obligation, without having to have too many jobs, without like, I want to go to church and just be with Jesus. I don't want to have to worry about all this other stuff. Like I felt like it was going to take something away from my, from my time with the Lord during a corporate setting. And he said to me, he said, when you go to church, I want you to go to be with me. Even though you're going to be, you know, you and your husband and this other couple are going to be steering the ship and you're going to have responsibilities. I want your first responsibility to sit under my anointing and under my presence and then just check in with me when we're, when you're there, just say, Hey, is there anything I can do to serve you father? And he might say, Hey, look over to the left. There's somebody over there. I want you to beeline over to at the end of service. And I want you to ask if you can pray for them. He does that a lot, or he does this often too. He'll say, Nope, just keep enjoying me. And so I never wanted to become one of those leaders that became jealous of people who looked like they could sit at the feet of Jesus and mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to. And I don't, I, I don't know if Mary was, or Martha was irritated. Like, well, since Mary's sitting there, I have to be the one getting stuff right. done. When in reality, that was her paradigm. And so um, the Lord helped me through that. And it got me really excited. I've never gone to church begrudgingly. Now I might go with a weird emotion because my day has been hard or something, but I've never gone going, well, put on your pastor's hat. So let's talk about hats for a second. This whole hat idea. So a friend of mine had a dream recently. She was at a banquet table with Jesus and there are many different forms of him sitting around the table. Like it was him in different shapes and sizes and people. And she goes, wow, Jesus, you wear a lot of hats. And he said, I don't wear hats. Hats are for hiding. And then he took a crown and put it on her head. It was so heavy. She began to fall over like, oh, I can't hold this up. And she goes, this is too heavy for me. I can't hold this. And he said, right, because I'm wearing the crown for you and I'm holding this crown up. But the hat thing, I think that Martha in that moment was probably like, 
I'm the one that has to get dinner made. I'm going to have to get, you know, I mean, who knows what it looked like that process. They didn't have microwaves back then. (laughs) They didn't have Uber eats, you know? So there was probably so much to do to prepare to serve Jesus. Right. Um, so maybe she had a hat on and she was like, gosh, you know, I need some other people around here that could wear this hats. But when you look at Mary, I see daughter, you know, instead of a position, but can you relate to the hat thing at all, especially going from being an, a, you know, an elite athlete, you know, and then a business leader, you know, did you, did, do you remember a transition from, um, from being a certain role into being daughter or did you get that younger being raised by pastors? Was that an adult transition? Was that something that you felt was a pretty easy thing for you as a child or what do you, what do you think about I think that? It's a, it's a constant deeper revelation. In fact, actually it's amazing. You said that. Cause I think it was even like two weeks ago, maybe even 10 days ago that the Lord had me soak in that again. And he said, you will never fully grasp the total understanding of that revelation of being my daughter, of being my beloved, of being my favorite, of being mm-hmm. like you, you keep pressing into that because you're never going the depth to is full, so the depth deep. is you, this side of heaven, this side of heaven, you will not know. And so, um, so, I mean, it's, it's an always growing process for sure. And I think it's, um, again, I, I feel like we could keep saying back to the last time you and I were together, <laughs> Um, because it comes back to our individual identity, you know, and so it's knowing the transition there, there's not a need to wear hats. If you know, this is just how he made me to be right. not different any place, you know, it might be, I'm in a different role, but it's still the same giftings. It's still the same me. Right. And it's this, it's Jesus in me that's going to operate in this role. Um, and is going to accomplish whatever he's calling me to accomplish in this moment. So it's just being, I think if anything, it's just growing right now in the constantly being present in that moment. Cause I'm futuristic. Um, and, but at the same time, he's always called me to moments of just being right, right here, right now. And so yes. I think when we, when we, um, and you, you just, teach on this so beautifully, but when we look ahead or when we're like, what's everything I have to do today? Right. Well, then we're not even where we currently are supposed to be. And so that hat feels heavy because mm-hmm. we've all, we've already now we've stacked the hats mm-hmm. on our head. Yes. We have like four hats on at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, I think that just being solid in our identity everywhere we are, um, our identity isn't in what we do. That's it's right. It's in whose we are. And the sonship, the revelation of sonship. Yeah. So I think, um, I think there's just such peace in that knowing who we are instead of trying to become or do or earn the earn thing, trying to earn. So this scripture, I took a screenshot of this the other day, second Corinthians six. Do you ever do that? You get on your phone, Mm -hmm. you just all the time, all the time. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. And the Lord said, screenshot this because I, I just, I felt like he wanted me to continue to meditate on it. So I'm pulling it up right now, but I will be a true father to you and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord Yahweh almighty. And that's the last thing that he says in that chapter. And, you know, that seems like such like, okay, yeah, hunt. And then what else, God, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I don't know if there is a what else. It's I- a, like being his daughter is the depth. And, and I think the, the way that 
the clarity in that depth also means going backwards in a lot of those verses. It says you used to be, you were formerly called slaves. So that's the other thing. Like, Mm -hmm. but I think we tend to go back to, I have to earn, I'm a slave. And like, we go back to that position and that posture. So, but the extremeness of, wow, even if you can't wrap your mind around, what does it mean to be a daughter? You can definitely wrap your mind around the difference between that and being a slave, you know, being an heir, being, um, having that position as opposed to doing and working and earning and not having an identity. I love that so much. You know, this morning as I was getting ready, the Lord was sharing some things with me about delighting in me and it, and it can be brushed off really easily Mm -hmm. because we start hearing these messages. We start saying these messages and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. You delighted me and you're, yeah, that's awesome. Love you too. High five, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, okay, you do delight in me. Let me meditate on that. I'm putting my makeup on. And, and then I just, it, it switched. He put my daughter, Hannah in my mind all of a sudden. And she's at school right now. She's in high school. And he just said, would you text her how you feel about her right now? She needs encouraged and she needs a word. And, you know, as ministers, which we all are, you don't get hired at a church and then you become a minister, right? <laughs> we become a minister of the gospel the moment we receive Christ as our savior. And so we want to remember to minister to our children, but um, I just want to share something I shared with her. And it was, it was basically what we're talking about right now. I'm not, I didn't even connect it to this very second, but I just said, um, you know, Hannah, I wanted to tell you that I think of you often throughout the day. And when I do every single time, I think of how fond I am of you. You are a delight. Are you perfect? No, but you're perfect to me. And, um, I'm going to skip down because I gave her a very specific thing. It was about her birth weight was seven pounds, seven ounces and perfect was the word over her. But then I said, when God looks at you, he sees perfect because all of our flaws are washed away in the blood of Jesus, literally gone from his eyes. When God sees us, he sees perfect. So sometimes we don't act perfect because we are still working out the image that Christ put in us, but that's okay because God has a lot of fun growing us into himself. This is, this isn't a job for him. It's a delight. And that is how dad and I feel with you. You are not a job or an obligation to us. You are our delight always, always, always. And, you know, when I was saying it to my daughter, I was like, you know, thank you, Jesus, for that word. Thank you, God, that you gave that word to, to give her. And he's like, it, it almost connected. You know, it was like, I don't know if she received it the way that I felt it, mm-hmm. giving it, but she did, you know, she did write me back and she said, thanks so much. I needed that today. Um, but it's so interesting how we think of God and the garden is like, this is a father. We're not just looking at God doing good things for our life. We're looking at the gardener. We're looking at the gardener and we have friendship and fellowship with the gardener. And he is turning us into himself. And I don't mean that we are becoming Jesus. I'm saying that we bear his image and we bear the fruit that he has and we bear his his um, love for one another and his patience for us, you know? And when I think about the garden, I think about him just, you know, if you, if you, if you've ever seen a gardener, I'm not a green thumb, but if you see a gardener, they're not gardening with anger. I've never seen an angry gardener, you know, unless it's a landscaper that doesn't like his job or something, (laughs) but I'm not talking about a landscaper. A landscaper is totally different. And I, and I will just wonder how many people here think of God as, oh yeah, I got the garden. He's a landscaper. He's here to make sure the shrubs look perfect. He's here to make sure that my, my, my children look perfect. He's here to make sure that I'm perfect. 
you know, so I'm landscaped. I, I'm not talking about a landscaper. I'm talking about a real gardener. If you watch somebody like my mom loves plants and she's like, come meet my orchids. And this is so-and-so. And this one, I had to have a talk and say, you're going to, you know, you're not growing. So we need to have a talk. And then she has her tomato plant, which is like out of control. I'm like, mom, I'm getting canker sores. Stop bringing tomatoes <laughs> to my house. <laughs> Cause I'm trying to eat them fast. Cause I don't want to throw them away. But if you see somebody who's a gardener, they're delighting mm-hmm. in growing things. And so I just, I am just sensing right now, Christy, that, that, um, that you are downloading this message of delight as well as me, you know, downloading this message of delight and delight is the pathway. And in the course I teach called hearing God's voice, that's the first, um, of the, of the four courses is delight is the pathway. It is not discipline. Yeah. Now at first it might be like, okay, I need to read the Bible because that's what I need to do you know? And so I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to take myself by the nap of my neck and do it. But really that's not where we're supposed to stay. We're not supposed to stay in a disciplinary, hardcore, rigid relationship with Jesus where we just clock in, clock out. Did I do my Christian duty here? What we want to get to is delight. And that's what I see over on your life so much, Christy, is when, when you talk about the Bible, it is like you have wrapped yourself in it. You're like swimming in it. And you're like, this is amazing mm-hmm. because it's, it's alive. And the Bible says the word is alive. It is a, it is, it is, it is a living word and it comes in and it produces life in us. And so, um, I mean, you, you definitely, to me, as I've known you for so long and I've, and I've seen growth after growth after growth in you, but what I see in you is rest. I see that God himself is resting in you as you are resting in him. And it's this mutual relationship of rest. And I see that you are delighting in his word and you're delighting in him. Are there any last minute thoughts before we pray for our listeners? Um, I I was thinking about, just as you're talking about the word, like this was not an always thing for me. You know, it was something I struggled with. In fact, the enemy, and and even in this moment, thinking about how much he knew this was going to be a part of who I was, forever tried to lie to me about reading. Like, I mean, if, wow. if you've known me for a while, you've probably ever even heard me say, I'm not a reader, Yeah, you know? And, um, and so, and then I finally at least got to the point, well, I don't, I do read, I read 66 books because that's how many books are in the Bible. <laughs> um, so, so there, what, that was a trap for a really, really long time. Um, and so I just, when I would come to the word, I would just pray two verses. I would say, Lord, you say, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so I'm drawing near to you right now. Like it, I'm, it might not make sense. So I'm just, I want to encourage some people that feel like this is a struggle. And then I would love for one of us to pray over them, a hunger for the word. Yeah. Um, because that's the truth that combats the lies, you know? That's right. And, um, and so that verse, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And the other one was that your word does not go out and return void. And so I'm believing that you're going to show me something today. I'm believing that um, even as I read it, what even what I don't understand, it even says that the Holy Spirit is going to bring it to our remembrance. And so I'm just... I'm just going to ingest it and let you do your work on it. Amen. You know? Amen. So um, what I'm sensing, I want you to pray. Yeah. Um, what I'm sensing is, this is a practical step, is for everybody to find three verses mm-hmm. that feel like fellowship. They don't feel like militant, yeah. you know, they, but they feel like fellowship and they feel like friendship and they feel like the person of the Holy Spirit. Like you can feel that. You know, there's some verses that feel like, like, wow, this is like 
wrapping a blanket mm-hmm. around my soul. Mm-hmm. So I want you to find three verses this week, write them out and sure, memorize them. You know, it, when you fall in love with a certain verse, you just memorize it because not because you're supposed to memorize it, but because you've meditated on it so long, it just now, it's like a song you listen to over and over that you love. And now you know the lyrics, you know? So I don't love the whole religious, like, Hey, go do this because that'll make you better person. <laughs> well, you know, a fun thing people can do too. And this is the benefit of Google and all those being able to yes. look things up is when you find the verse, you can just put it in there and then click on images and there's created images there that go. people have made with the verse and a pretty background. And you can just throw that on your phone. That's beautiful. And as you're trying to learn it, or as you want to remember it, you can just pull up that image. I love that you can also do the exact same thing. If you're needing to find something to stand on truth wise, right. like you can Google verses about, you know, if you're feeling anxious versus about anxiety or the flip, but it's going to pull that up too. Yeah. Versus about joy versus about, and then it'll list a ton of That's verses right. and you read through them until the Holy Spirit highlights one of them to you. And he says, that's your verse. And then use that to pull up. And cause the sword is the, def, the, the mechanism in our hand that we have in the armor of God yes. to defeat, yes, that's to right. kill the lies of the enemy. That's right. Well, it's so funny because a lot of people say, okay, they'll text me. Hey, Jenny, where, you know, how do I find out more about what's in the Bible and how do I find things, you know, cause they're learning and I'm like, Google. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? <laughs> yep. yep. That's how you do it. You know, verses on friendship versus on healing, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And, and just when, when you, when your eyes land on a verse that seems to bring life to you inwardly, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the one you're supposed to land on. It's not about quantity all the time. It's mm-hmm. not about like, oh, I've only memorized, you know, right. one verse this week. Well, you know what? That one can bring complete breakthrough in your entire life because it, it, you take it into your mind and it can tear it down strongholds and it, bec- it becomes your warfare. So there's so much power in every single verse in the Bible. We don't need to be beating ourselves up over how much quantity right. that we know. Well, there's verses sometimes the Lord will have be my verse for a couple of years. I mean, like you'll right. know when you're, when it's time to find another verse. So even just digesting word for word That's or right. asking him to highlight places that it might take you on like a search to other things. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's a treasure hunt. Yeah, I love that so much. All right, why don't you pray for us and then we'll end the podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you're putting a hunger for your word in um, your children and your daughters and your sons and um, and you desire for them to know more about you and to know more about how you uniquely created them and, and the power that's within them um, by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would anoint the listeners, anoint them with a hunger for your word. And I capture every lie of the enemy. I even sense that somebody's thinking right now, oh, that's for everybody but me because I can't I've tried I've tried and I try and I try and I try and I try I thank you Lord that we don't have to do anything in our own power so I pray that they would receive your grace right now that Holy Spirit that you would just fill them to overflowing with the fact that they can't put the Bible down because they keep seeing new things fresh revelations of your great love for them in Jesus name amen Amen. Thank you so much for taking this still journey with us. I am promising you that as you press into Jesus, you are finding that realm of rest that is so powerful. It is so life-giving and it's super energizing. How exciting has this journey been? I'm loving this. Well, don't miss a podcast and you can do that by subscribing to our podcast and also stay in touch with us at john1930.com and that's where you can subscribe to our emails and then you can also 
check out our conferences, the courses that we teach online, and we also have resources. And we'll see you next time.